While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe, promenade that pretty gal to Georgia. A few years ago, I was looking at Facebook when I noticed one post asking when the signs were best to cut a child's hair. I had no idea what they were talking about, and I asked around among my co-workers. A few also didn't understand the question, but a few did. Some whose husbands ran farms even told me that they run those farms strictly by the signs, when to plant, when to mow, and even when to castrate the livestock. The signs they're talking about are astrological signs. Either the phase of the moon or the position of different planets in relation to zodiacal signs in the sky. You can find this on the website for the Old Farmer's Almanac. At the time I write this, I can see the March 25th or March 30th are the best days to quit smoking. March 25th through the 26th were the best days to pour concrete. March 4th and 5th were the best to cut hay. March 6th through 8th to color your hair, and March 18th to get married. This is Moving Through Georgia, Season 2, Episode 13, and that can't be good luck, Signs and Superstitions. For some people, all they need is the moon. This is called syndotic agriculture, and it has adherents all over the world. Modern practitioners of this method use two factors to determine the best time for any sort of planting activity. The effect of the moon's gravitational pull on moisture in the soil and the level of moonlight absorbed by plants at night. At the new moon, when the moon's gravitational pull is strongest, it's best to plant above ground crops. The water will reach the surface easier. As the gravitational pull falls off, the moon starts to grow brighter, reflecting more sunlight onto the plants in your field. And that's when you plant leafy plants like spinach or lettuce. Honestly, this kind of makes sense. I mean, kind of. From what I've read, a full moon shines about 15% of the light onto Earth that the sun does, and it's reasonable to think that the extra light would make a difference to crops that are above ground. And if the moon's gravitational pull can turn a low tide into a high tide, why couldn't it pull more moisture towards the surface for your plants? I'm still not 100% sold on this, though. Signs that involve the transit of celestial bodies through the zodiac are more complicated and they require a lot more than a good calendar and an occasional look up into the sky. This is where almanacs come in. Almanacs were a big business in the American colonies. Actually, an almanac was the first book printed in these colonies. Lots of them had connections with faculty or graduates of Harvard University and they sold well all over. The signs I just told you about were from the Old Farmer's Almanac. They still publish those today. But when I talk to people who plant by the signs, there's one answer I really can't seem to get. And that is, do these people really believe this stuff? Or are they just having fun with the guy from New Jersey? Are there professing Christians who believe that the transit of the moon affects their crops? Or when to pour concrete here on Earth? And looking into it, the answer apparently is 
Yes, I'm working mostly from an article in a journal called Early American Studies in which the author talks about almanacs in the 1700s. The astrology practiced by the writers of early almanacs and almanacs today deal with the natural progression of celestial bodies and their effect on Earth. Churches tended to look at this as a way to determine God's will in the universe. God, of course, wants us to grow lots of food and live well, so he laid out a system to determine the best days to do different tasks. Now, there's another type of astrology. It's called judicial astrology, and that's where people claim to predict future events and human behavior. This is the 900 number astrology, where people take your birthday and tell you whether your boyfriend's cheating on you or whether it's a good time to ask for a raise. This is considered a cult astrology. It wouldn't be accepted in almanacs. And where ministers of even the Puritan church accepted the idea of natural astrology, they would definitely disapprove of judicial astrology. To make a long story short, one almanac writer declared, The sovereign of the heavens has set on high sure signs to mark the changes of the sky. Robert Greer was born in 1780 in Georgia. His father was a general in the American Revolution. As a child, Robert became interested in science, mathematics, and astronomy. He would calculate rising and setting times for the sun, eclipses, and weather trends. And of course, as a farmer in Georgia, this was important. He put those calculations to work in Greer's Almanac first published in 1807 and then continually published until 2021. That's a run of 215 years. The magazine provided astrological information for planting and sowing as well as other farm activities, but it also provided things like religious calendars for different denominations, weather predictions, and advertisements for products available through mail order. Make money by selling grit, find hidden treasure with your DIY metal detector, or learn to play guitar in seven days. Greer's had it all. Greer's was the almanac that came with a hole already punched in it so you could hang it from a nail in your barn. Now, I was pointed to Greer's Almanac by an article in a Foxfire book about planting by the signs, but I was also introduced to a book entitled God's Way, based on the 12 signs of the Zodiac and the Word of God, the world's most complete and correct planting guide. It's only about 20 pages long, but it lays out a plan for just about anything. There are 12 zodiacal signs, and each corresponds to a symbol, a body part, a planet, and an element. But when you come across casual references to this, it's often the body part you hear most. Plant when the signs are in the loins, feet, neck, or chest. Don't plant potatoes in the feet. Paint your house during fire signs. That's the head and the heart, because that's when it's driest. The Foxfire people interviewed farmers who lived by these rules, and their stories are pretty remarkable. One man claimed that if you dig a post hole and then fill it in, your results will change at different times. At the new moon, you will have extra dirt once the hole is full. But at the old moon, the dirt you piled up will not be enough to completely fill the hole. 
it can even come down to hours. There's a good story in the Foxfire book about a man who had an easy time butchering a hog, but who had nothing but trouble with the next hog, which he started a few hours later after the signs had shifted. Of course, there are plenty of other superstitions in this area, just like there are everywhere. Stir jelly and soap to the right as you make it, otherwise it won't come out right. This also sounds like one of many prejudices against left-handed people. And, by the way, soap needs to be made while the moon is increasing, otherwise it won't be any good. If you kill a snake, hang it on a tree to induce rainfall. If it's too dry, you can go out looking for snakes to hang on your trees. Everybody knows about a horseshoe nailed above a barn door being a token of good luck, but it's also to prevent witches from riding your horses. How do you know if witches have been riding your horse? Well, look for little knots in the mane, because that's where they hold on. Superstition travels fast, and it sticks. When I worked at a school in Florida, we had an outdoor hallway with a roof held up by metal columns. When the kids walked down the walkway, they would always walk on the outside of the columns, and every time they bumped one of those columns, it would ring like a bell. It drove us crazy. But we did have one kid that the others looked up to, and we had a very smart third grade teacher who told him that walking on the outside of the columns was bad luck. She even had a plausible but, of course, absolutely false reason to justify this superstition. And it worked, for a lot of kids at least. Eventually, this kid and all his friends, who were the popular kids, were walking on the correct side of the columns, and everybody else wanted to be there as well. A lot of early American superstitions, especially those that involve coming across another person on the road or at the crossing of two roads, come right from African folktales and superstitions. They're actually the first pieces of African culture that took hold in America, and they took hold, and they're still here, and now they're considered a part of this culture. Myself, I don't consider myself very superstitious. I'm very regular-stitious. But I do want to remind you that Moving Through Georgia is a history podcast focusing on Northeast Georgia. This is actually going to be the last episode of Series 2. I'm taking a little bit of a break. School is starting to get busy, and I just don't really have the time to give these episodes the effort they deserve. I also have some episode ideas that have kind of hit a brick wall, and I really need to take the time to find the details to pull those stories out. So I'm taking a break. I will be back in the summer with more episodes, so please stay subscribed. I'll put an episode out here and there if I can, and in the summertime, I'll be back with more. In the meantime, if you have any questions, comments, or complaints, please be sure to send them to movingthroughgeorgia at gmail.com. I love hearing from you. Going back to Greer's Almanac for just a moment, I can also point out another connection to a previous episode. Greer had a sister who died in 1812, shortly after the birth of her son. That son felt further loss in 1826 when his father and stepmother died. Greer played a big part in the boy's life, even inspiring him to try his own hand at publishing. 
After a long and involved political career, that boy, who of course was Confederate Vice President Alexander Stevens, bought part of a newspaper called the Atlanta Sun in the 1870s. It ran for three years. Everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The yellow man left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right left walk on your heel and toe. From an a deputy gal to Georgia. That's all.